What is going on everybody? This is Hollywood Cole here with Clear Fire for another video game experience for your ears What's as you drive on, to work today uh, or you are laying in bed getting ready to go to sleep, whatever you need to do uh, to listen to us. Sometimes I listen to us when I'm editing and it makes me sleepy. <laughs> so I think sometimes it'd be a good thing to listen to when you go to sleep, right? Yeah. Anyway, today <laughs> you sound sleepy. What's going on, man? Oh, dude, I'm exhausted. I am actually coming to you from on location today. I'm actually in Chicago right now for a PMI conference. So doing this, I've been up since good old four a.m. today, going through airports and all that wonderful crap. So, well, hopefully you won't fall asleep during the nah. podcast. <laughs> Nah, we got stuff to talk about, and I'll wake up a little bit through it. So if you hear me snoring, guys, just ignore it, and I'll wake up in time to say something monumental. (laughs) Oh, man. Had a busy day all day, dude. It's just been crazy. I I came back home to get some dinner, uh, and I I actually was at the store the other day and bought Trix, the cereal. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't eaten tricks in a long time. So, you know, I'm going to eat some tricks. And I was so dis. If anybody's eating tricks in a long time, when's the last time you ate tricks, by the way? I, I couldn't years, tell you. Years it, ago. I mean, at least uh, I'd probably be maybe my first year or two of college is the, probably the last time I ever Dang. ate tricks. Yeah, you got you to gotta live, man. <laughs> Get you some tricks. No, nah, man. I, I go for a ca- a Captain Crunch and. Yeah, that's a good choice. Captain Crunch and uh, Lucky Charms. Those are my. Those are my ser- my go-to yeah, lucky junk, junk, junk cereals. Fruity Pebbles. Fruity Pebbles has less sugar in it than Raisin Bran, believe it or not. I know, that's crazy. Like a good bit less. Anyway, so I poured a bowl of tricks, dude, and I was so disappointed. The colors, I had to look at it to see, is this thing like just old or, or what? Um, Because it the colors were like, instead of red, it was like a maroon looking. The purple looked kind of brown. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, and I was like, is this this? Maybe like they're kind of into this whole like natural flavoring now because, you know, that's kind of this movement. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. They took the food color now, but I was disappointed, man. <laughs> so <clears throat> just just weird, just weird stuff. I thought I said, you know, I got to tell somebody. Somebody's got to hear about this. <laughs> well, when, so, you, when you buy junk food cereal, you expect it to be junk food cereal, not health, health food yeah, cereal. Yeah, exactly. I know that I don't care about food coloring. I mean, that's fine. Uh, you know, make it red, man. Make it look good when I'm eating it. That's what makes me feel good when I'm eating it. Anyway, whatever, man. Somebody had somebody had to hear about it. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so this week we said we were going to do an N64 game, and we actually talked about Star Wars a little bit after, on last week's podcast. And we thought, well, hey, you know what? Let's do Rogue Squadron or Shadows of the Empire. We couldn't decide, and we we're going to have first. Actually, we did decide Shadows of the Empire. And then I, I found uh, my Shadows of the Empire is in a box, and it's kind of behind. The, it's in the box. I got the box, and it's behind my collection stuff. So I had to kind of dig it out a little bit. But in the meantime, I looked and found uh, Rogue Squadron and put that in. And dude, that's a phenomenal game. So I told you, we got to do. We got to just do both. Rogue Squadron is one of my favorite games of all time, still. So we want to talk about Rogue Squadron and the uh, Shadows of the Empire both, and we'll talk about Shadows of the Empire first. Also, we're kind of getting a little bit of prep for the Battlefront series coming out. Uh, when's that come out? Battlefront 2 comes out, if I'm not mistaken, November 17th. <laughs> All right, November 17th. Let me adjust my mic volume for a little bit. I was getting a lot of red pings there, and it keeps adjusting on its own. What is going on? All right, so sorry about that. Hopefully, we got these audio issues worked out here. Uh, Audacity is acting a little funny. So, uh, anyway, so yeah, we just wanted to cover Shadows of the Empire and Rogue Squadron for you guys in honor of the Battlefront 2 coming out. Uh, when? November? November 17th. November 17th. I heard it's a little bit of disturbing stuff about it. I have to. And uh, and it's the same stuff we talk about in all these video games when it comes to microtransactions. And, you know, do I really want to get into this now? Long and short of it is, is you have to, in order to progress, you have to have the loot chest. 
and the game gives you very little items to access these loot chests during game and expecting you to buy them. However, uh, how it wants you to buy them with real money. However, they say the gameplay is actually really fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna wait and see. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm probably gonna. Yeah, I don't know. We'll wait and see. I think I'm gonna buy it. Um, the disturbing just don't thing, reserve I, it. I'm not pre-reserving. <laughs> yeah, it. No, 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 I'm just not doing that. At all. I probably won't ever do that again. But uh, the disturbing thing I actually heard was the fact that the uh, campaign story mission part of Battlefront Two was all of five to seven hours. Wow. It was only five. A lot of time for that one. Yeah, it was like five to seven hours long, and so I'm like, "Why so short?" You know, you've got so much you can do, but also too, it looks like there's a lot of unlockable things, a lot of things that you can grow and build, and things like that. So, um, you know, I I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna get it. I think I'm gonna play it, but uh, you know, it's, I think it's gonna be a lot better game than Battlefront One. Battlefront One was just straight terrible. I mean, you couldn't do much in it. Um, I didn't play it. I had a lot of friends that did play it, and they were very upset about it because they actually bought PS4s to play with each other on that one game specifically, and it did not meet their expectations at all. And they are not gamers; they're casual <laughs> at best. And so, if your casual if your casual gamer community is saying that about a game, you know your people that are really <laughs> gamers are not going to be wanting to touch that game. So, I mean, it's just like, when they told me that, I was like, yeah, there's absolutely no reason for me to get that game. Yeah, I didn't get it. I was excited about it, and I didn't get it. I didn't even play Battlefront 2 on uh, PS2 either, but that was one of the best ones. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the, the campaign being that short, obviously we would like to have a longer campaign. However, those games are for the multiplayer um, exactly, and, if, it, and it, if they took away from that multiplayer to dedicate to that campaign story, and the multiplayer was lacking, and even though the campaign was let's say fifteen hours, twenty hours, I would rather have the multiplayer. Yeah, and and two, I think the game is a lot more challenged based from from a lot of the. Uh, previews trailers and things i've seen like that they've been focusing more on the challenges side of the game not the campaign and not the multiplayer but i heard the multiplayer has grown into several different types where you've got small squads all the way up to large squads i think you have up to like 20 some odd in in a pvp match to where you're doing you know large squads which actually would be quite interesting because then you can actually have some actually squad tactics and i think that would be really neat to play Unless it turns out to be a small group where if you're a solo player, solo PvP, or you're going to get demolished because everybody else is playing as a squad. Exactly. You know, but, you know, it's just all, nobody really knows. We're going to see how it's going to turn out. I've heard that it's fun. heard that the micro loot system uh, is not a good sign. Uh, You know, that's the cash grab aspect of it. And, you know, it's just hard to justify. I know that these games, especially with something with a Star Wars license, I mean, this is probably Disney's deal. They're making a huge lick off of it, I'm sure. Well, you also have the fantastic uh, electronic arts behind it. Yeah. So when you have any t- anytime you have EA or EA Sports behind it, you're, you're looking at a place where they're going to try to push microtransactions. And just a little up on that. Um, Activision, and I'm not sure if Bungie was involved with it as well. They just recently had a patent for a specific type of uh, <laughs> a system that will actually drive you to microtransactions. I won't get into that, but just guys... Just another reason. And I'll go exactly. ahead and get into it. Let me tell you what I'm looking at right now. Destiny 2 up on eBay. If you want a Destiny 2, you can get it very cheap. It comes in a bundle, though. <laughs> it's got Black Ops 3 and Call of Duty, Advanced Warfare. So a 3 PS4 bundle, because I'm waiting for either uh, Battlefront or the Call of Duty to come out, and that's going to kind of be my shooter. Yeah. And uh, particularly the, the Call of Duty, because those always have a lot of progression. If you really want to dig down that deep each gun, you know, you got mm-hmm. to to unlock skins and all that kind of stuff. It just gives you somewhat yeah. of an incentive to, to get a different gun. I mean, it's not, you know, an earth-shattering game, I'm sure, but it's fun. I, I, yeah, I'm hoping Battlefront 2 will be that for me because I just, I can't go back to the Call of Duties. I played a few of them, and I just, I can't get into it. It's just, it's, a, it's not my cup of tea. Well, I hope Battlefront does well. Yeah, I do, too. I really do. It. We need a good, we need a, we need a good Star Wars game for the modern ages. 
Yes. You know, all this capabilities, horsepower in these systems now could make just an epic uh, Star Wars game if somebody just put some time into it. Yeah. So, um, speaking of that, we went back to Shadows of the Empire and Rogue Squadron on N64. Back in the day when the game was released complete, there was no mm-hmm. downloadable content. Yes. What you got was what you got. So they made they set them on the shelves for years as they tested them, whatever. I mean, I don't know how long they set them on the shelves. I miss those games, man. I miss the games with no downloadable content. It is yeah. what it is. You paid for it and you play it and that's it. I mean yep. that that's the way a game should be, but yep. we're in the age played, of we're in the age of social media and digital content, and it's it's just ripping gaming apart. But you know, this is the type of stuff you got to look out for because you know originally, hey, it's a good idea if we're always online, not always online, but your connection, you know, mm-hmm. you can connect online because if there's something that we need to fix, we can fix it. Great, that sounds great in theory, but what happens is the human nature, the human characteristic takes over of the flawed human psyche or whatever and instead of using it as a uh you know uh, enhancing a game it used as a as a crutch oh this game's not quite released whatever we'll fix it in post once we throw it up we can always just download a patch for it and that becomes the standard so um anyway so, you know playing call i played both of these on the original in 64 i got them here Uh, in preparation of this podcast and that game I played was the exact game on release the exact game the way it was any crazy glitches that it's released with they're still in there yep Uh, and that's part of the charm so it is I mean I mean you you look at other games you look at other gaming systems I mean glitches are what killed the Atari so I mean you've got things like that that back in the day that you have that but that was I mean that's the part of the mystique to the whole ET game so I mean I hate to bring that up and dig into something way off topic but talking about glitches in gaming and how they're integral to either the life or death of something I mean ET is a prime example of how it's the death of an entire system Whereas you have glitches that are in Mario 64 that actually have helped people speedrun Mario 64 all the way from beginning to end. You know, they're doing it in like seven minutes, beating the entire game. So you've got things like that in the games that were there that I think make games actually kind of intriguing. It gives this other other mystery about it and just kind of randomness because you never know when you're going to hit that glitch. Well, you have to try to figure out how to get around that glitch if it's a glitch that stops you. Whereas with, you know, Destiny 2 right now is a prime example. They held Trials of the Nine out of it for two weeks because of somebody found out how to use one of the emotes to glitch through walls. You know, <laughs> you screwed up on your coding. Let, let it be. Let people have fun with it. I know you're trying to make it a competitive game, but guys... What you've done with it is not, and I don't want to go any further than that, but that's just more of my talking about glitches and how, you know, some glitches can be fun and some glitches can be detrimental to a game. So, um, yeah, so uh, I'm looking at, I knew if you started talking about Destiny, it's going to get me my mind going. Uh, Not going to start ranting on it. So, so do you remember... If you were if you were a subscriber to Nintendo Power, were you a subscriber to Nintendo Power? I did it the way of, hey, Hollywood's got it, so <laughs> I'll just wait until he gets it, and I'll go over to his house and read exactly. it with him because that's basically what we did. You would always call me when Nintendo Power came out, and we would sit down and read, read, read that thing together. So, so Nintendo Power, if you were a subscriber, they sent out a video, a little VHS tape, uh, and you can see it on YouTube. I remember that tape. Now uh, they did this. Con- they did this. Uh, they started kind of doing this thing that's part of their marketing. They did it for Donkey Kong Country. They did two for N sixty four. The first one, nobody had even you know. Okay, we knew this thing was coming out, the Ultra sixty four or whatever they called it. And this video had, uh, you know, a host kind of going through. I'm trying to. You you follow these three kids that pulled up in a limousine. You know, this. My name's Expert Gamer. My name's killer gamer you know so it's kind of a fun little thing mm-hmm. um and they're supposed to be these expert game experts and sports experts or whatever and they would go through nintendo's headquarters to see the greatest latest and greatest in 64 so they had three games on there and they had uh mario 64 they demonstrated and it just 
that blew everybody's mind. 64, Mario 64, phenomenal game. Amazing game. First 3D, done right. Mm-hmm. Uh, still my favorite Mario. Um, I've gone back and I've gotten 120 stars. I love that game. The other one was Pilot Wings that they showed. And then the third one they showed was Shadows of the Empire. And so we already had, they already knew this game was coming out before the release. This is one of the kind of the, it wasn't a launch title. They only had two launch titles for everybody that likes to complain about, you know, small libraries at launch. You had Pilot Wings and, N60, and Mario 64 when the N64 came out. You had to pick one. Mm-hmm. You know, so they didn't come with a game. They used to come with games. In the good old days, consoles came with a game. Now they do not. That stopped with the N64, I believe, yeah. N64 was the first one that didn't didn't launch with a game included. Yes, particularly a Nintendo product. Um, Yeah, that was Nintendo's gimmick. And, you know, when Sony came out and all those, they didn't launch with any games, so... Yeah, Sony didn't did not launch with the game. I remember seeing that going, "What? You don't launch with the game?" But yeah, it's I thought like... Destruction Derby was the game. Like, nope, that's just the one everybody gets. Yep. <laughs> and so, of course, they did their packaging too, where they would promotion. You know, fit, you know, later on, we we will release it with a game, but it was, at its initial release, it did not have a game. Mm-hmm. So, Star Wars: Shadows of the Empire was uh, part of the starting lineup for the first year, and um, I was all about it, man. And I remember I bought it. LP bought it. And mm-hmm. that's every time I play this game, I think about that. We went to Walmart and bought the strategy guides, mm-hmm. um, and just really tore into it. And um, this is a very, this is a, I think just the the ultimate saying of this game is it does not really hold up well today. Um, it's still playable <laughs> to some degree mm-hmm. if you played it back then. Um, but just turning it back on, oh my gosh, the controls are extremely floaty. Uh, so f- before I even get into that, you start off, there's several different game types. You have a, uh, the Hoth mission right away at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So you are flying around in a snow speeder. Uh, it kind of, you, you're a bounty hunter, you're a, um, you're driving freight. Uh, you're not a bounty hunter. I don't believe your name is Dash Rendar. You this are a bounty par- hunter. Okay. This was, well, well, mercenary. I'm sorry, mercenary. not a bounty hunter, but a mercenary. So yeah, mercenary. Exactly. Yep. I remember that you were a mercenary. Yeah. So this is part of the canon, or it was before Disney. Uh, and so this was actually part of the deal. There's a book about it and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, so you start off at Hoth, and let's just kind of focus on the game aspect of it. But start off at, on Hoth, and you're flying around, and that just you know, you could get in a first-person view while you're flying. You're actually flying in the snow speeder. Oh my God, I love it! You shoot ATSTs, the probe droids, and then the ATATs. And the ATATs, of course, you can shoot the little grab, the little uh, mm-hmm. tow cable out and circle around them and drop them down. That's how you get challenge points. And this is what makes these games fun. Okay, I'll just go ahead and get on the little soapbox for a minute. Shadows of the Empire and Rose Squadron. They have replay replayability because of their challenge it's hard to even finish the game uh, much less go back after you've mastered it enough to finish it to get the challenge points to unlock other features of the game yep. and uh, you had to because guess what there's no downloadable content and nobody's mm-hmm. going to pay $60 for a game you can finish in 5 hours like the Order 1886 you know that, that game PlayStation 4 everybody's so excited about 5 hours or something you're done with it what it's like it, there's movies out longer than that mm-hmm. you know you can pay 12 bucks and go watch it but anyway so they they, re, they replay ability with challenge and accomplishment and rewarding those who took the time to master the game okay that being said the hoth hoth stage up front you get the challenge points for blowing up the atsts as you circle around them and with the tow cable next stage you're on foot and it's just again it's a story it leads up to it you're running around inside the hoth base shooting stormtroopers and this is where you really see the age of the game because like I said the, the, the controls are you jump it takes you know three seconds to land you know it's just mm-hmm. it's just a crazy thing there's no there's no crosshairs for where you're aiming your zapper or your blaster you just see the uh, the enemy and you point in their general direction and shoot and it's the aim assist like a mug dude I mean it's just all about it and uh, but uh, you know, I like the way they did the blaster. It's unique in that you can't just, it's un, you don't pick up ammo or anything, but it has a, like, a, if every time you shoot it, it starts off at 100, and every time you shoot it, it that power drains, and you got to wait for it to kind of drain, put, fill back up. 
It's basically can, it's basically like overheating. It's kind of it's kind of a neat theory on how they did that because it's you shoot it too fast and you're out of ammo. You have to wait. Well, you don't ever have to wait. You never have to wait. It'll just shoot real. You can you can shoot as much as you want, but it will just be like the power of it will be like a one or two or a three. So if you waited a hundred percent every time to shoot the wampas or whatever to the big. You know, yetis that take a lot of hits. It, you know, will that be faster than just unloaded at a one? I don't know, but I, I like the way they did yeah, I that. Forgot how, I forgot that. I forgot about that. It was the damage drop off, not a cooldown. Yeah, damage drop off. That's the word I'm looking for. It's damage drop off. So, uh, but anyway, that stage. I, I, I finished that stage uh, playing it this playthrough. Uh, at the end of that, you got to fight an ATAT on foot or ATST on foot. And I remember see, doing that in the. Uh, the first time I walked in on that thing, I was like, oh, wow. How am I going to take this thing down? Mm-hmm. You know, when you are getting stomped till you figure out the secret is you got to shoot him in his little joint between the head and the legs. And that's mm-hmm. where he's weak. Or you can I mean, get seeker missiles and blast him to death. Well, when you first see it, it's very intimidating because yeah. you're this little bitty person and this big, huge thing that's about 20 some odd foot tall, ATST, you know, and you're like, how in the world am I going to take this? You know, because... By this time, you've most likely have already seen all the Star Wars movies, and you know how it goes on in Return of the Jedi with all of the um, Ewoks and everybody taking it on. That it takes a lot to take those down. I mean, come on, they were taking Especially them with down primitive weapons. <laughs> exactly, they were taking those things Smashing down with log. logs and stuff. So, you know, so <laughs> it, it took a bit to take them down. So when you're looking at you with a little blaster pistol, you're like, "How that's in the world with this blaster uh, Ewoks pistol?" Ewoks took them take down. Them down. I can take them down. <laughs> exactly, and that's kind of how I, I actually remember one time, kind of looking at that and saying that I was like, "Oh man, Ewok handled this. I got this." And really quickly, I learned, no, I did not have that. You know, and oh god, da- Dash hilarious. Dash was definitely not superior to an Ewok at that point until looking you figured out. To blast, yeah. so they down. <laughs> until you figure it out, you know Dash is definitely not superior to an Ewok. So, <laughs> so anyway, oh man, that's funny, dude. Uh, so yeah, so you, you end up finishing that stage, and it's a I remember it's a long stage, and I was trying to get all the challenge points I remember, and I was like, oh dude, I got this, and I got seven of them. <laughs> There's actually ten, and I have no mm-hmm. idea where those three were. Um, but that just, I mean, you know, it's a replayability. If I was, you know, bought 60 bucks worth of game, I still got a whole game to play and then I can come back to it later. And you always knew there's some secret. Once I get the 10 points, then mm-hmm. I, something will unlock. And I'm not even sure what unlocks in Shadows of the Empire. I don't remember everything that unlocks on that one. I will look it up while we're talking about it or if you don't mind looking it up. I sort of I'm trying look. to look through the one article that I have on it about it, but I haven't seen anything about it unlock stuff so the third the third stage i really liked that's the uh one where you're in your little knockoff of the millennium falcon and uh i can't remember what it's called what's the ship called do you remember Mm-mm. you know him and him and han solo get into that argument about you know i let you win and you know that, that the millennium falcon actually won in a race but dash render saying well i let you win and you know so it's really the fat mine's really yeah. still the fastest but anyway, this one has, you, you know, you're in space again, and you're, it's back to the shooter. You are in. Uh, you don't have to be in first-person mode, but I, this is one I definitely would. And you're kind of in an asteroid field, and your TIE fighters and TIE bombers are attacking, and you have seeking missiles, which I like, and a, and a blaster. you just got to kill a certain number of uh, enemy before it moves on. But during that, uh, there's red asteroids that appear out into the space, and that's when you'll shoot them up. Shoot up a red asteroid, you get a challenge point. There's like five or six of them. But that's a pretty straightforward stage. The Outrider is his shit. The Outrider. Um, and, and so then the next stage is the train car stage, which is a little intimidating for them. And that's a really hard to get to all the challenge points first time through uh, if you're not ready for it. Because you have to, it's a move, you're on a, a flat bed train car and you're having to jump at certain times to get challenge points in the air and jump over stuff. Uh, this is where I stopped um because i just got tired of redoing it over and over and like i said it's floaty the controls are kind of wrong you make a long jump and it just that kind of hangs up and fall and, and you're dead but i mean you know i know the challenge points give you extra lives so if you get like six challenge points you get all of them you might get like four extra lives for the next stage and all this you also fight ig88 
who was in Star Wars 1, if you look closely while the droids are all together, uh, at the very beginning, um, when C-3PO and R2-D2 get rolled up by the little little guys that sell the droids to Luke and his uncle, which you can see him in there, but he was very difficult, and a lot of this difficulty in this game is the controls, I mean, it really is, and IG-88, I mean, I, don't, I can't explain it to this day. But you'll go in there and try to fight him, and, you, and it's kind of hard to see because of the graphics. And if he, if he starts tearing into you, you're dead in a matter of seconds. Mm-hmm. But you get the pulse rifle, and somehow you just hold your ground and unload on him. And sometimes he gets down before you, and sometimes he doesn't. That's kind of what it rolls down to. Boils down to that kind of stuff. And that's where I stopped. And, and it shows you all the different stages that are locked as you scroll through. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm pretty sure if you get the challenge points, it unlocks new stages. Uh, I don't know that for a fact. I can't remember. Um, I, in fact, I don't know if I ever went back and got all the challenge points. I know I didn't because I got frustrated with it mainly based on the whole fact of how loose the controls were. You know, that well, whole that, floating jump about wore me out because I can remember many times trying to jump around certain places and in yeah. even just the first level and just that whole float, you know. Yeah. It, you know, we didn't know any better back then. This is when 3D games were brand new. And so you didn't really know any better, but it is frustrating sometimes when you're... Some of these N64 games, you go back and play and just face it, they don't... They, the controls just are so wonky because you only have that one analog stick mm-hmm. to kind of look and control. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, there's several different stages. I think there's another space shooter. Yeah, the very final stage is another space shooter. is a sky hook, and you got to fly in there and take out the center part, which is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Those because those controls are they work fine in the shooters, shooting at when you're flying something. Exactly when you're trying to control dash, it that's when it's that's when it when it becomes a challenge. Um, but yeah, flying the ships and flying the speeder bikes, everything that you get to do like that, the different different vehicles, the controls work just fine for that. Yeah. So I'm looking here. Why should I get the challenge points? Let's see. Let me see. We can. It's okay if it's quiet here. I'll just cut. We'll just edit yeah. it. Well, I mean, also too, I'll, what I'll, I'll point out and look at look at some of this stuff. You know, um, the game was divided into four chapters, so you, you've got the four different sections there that we, which we've discussed. Um, characters. Uh, I guess his name is Zyor. That's the that will that'll be your you know main person that you're having conflicts with, and two this. Um, this game takes place during the time frame of Star Wars between uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So you're having everything fall in between that time frame. And then an interesting fact is at the end of the game, everybody presumes Dash Rendar's dead. Well, if you play it on easy mode, that's how it looks. It looks like Dash, Dash is dead. If you play it either normal or hard, it actually gives you an alternate ending that plays out like Dash isn't dead. And let me see if I can find his little quote that he says. Um, so if you do it, uh, do it with the other one, then it says, um, Dash actually says to his uh, droid, Zebo. Um, he says it's a good it, it's good to be remembered as a martyr without actually being dead, wouldn't you say? And that's what he says to his droid as the end of the game happens when you change it to a higher difficulty. Uh, Lebo, not Zebo. I'm sorry, Lebo is is, is is the droid. Sorry, I misread that. So that's that's an interesting thing there is that they put that uh, that alternate ending in there, you know, for for that, so you can actually kind of have that part in there. And I think they left that open for the fact of looking at possibly possibly having Dash come in in the movies. I know that was a statement that was made before uh, Lucas sold off everything to Disney. Now, since Disney's gotten a hold of it, that's been scrapped, but there's also been rumors of coming back to some of that stuff like that, and they're actually, in their movies and in, in, in their TV stuff, they're actually bringing some of, that, uh, some of that back into play. So they're basically picking and choosing from the old canon. Anything outside of the movies is considered the legacy, and they're picking and choosing and bringing stuff back in from the books. Um, you'll probably even see some of that. Some of the book stuff play out in um, the Last Jedi that comes out here in December. I forget the date of what day day that movie releases, but yeah. you're, you're going to actually see parts of that play out. So, 
Yeah, so so what happens when you get all the challenge points? It depends on if you play it on easy, medium, hard, or Jedi. And it seems like Jedi is the dumbest one. But anyway, e easy, if you get all the challenge points, you get a Lebo scanner. So you can hold down the camera button for five seconds and use the Lebo scanner. And I can't I think that lets you see through walls and see heat signatures. I can't mm -hmm. remember. Uh, I think you're right about that. I, I want to say I got that one. I want to say I did get all the challenge points. Uh, I know I went back to try to do it. Uh, medium. This is really cool. This should be the hard one. But anyway, they let everybody kind of get a, get access to this. During the sky, if you get them all on medium, during the sky hook battle, which is the final space battle I was talking about where you got to fly, get all these bad guys, shoot some um, some turrets, and then fly inside the, the sky hook. If you hold the camera button down for five seconds, you'll turn into an X-Wing. So you'll have the X-Wing instead of the Outrider. If you hold it down for another five seconds, you turn into a TIE Fighter. So that's pretty cool. On hard mode, hold down C for 15 seconds and become invincible. Excuse me, invisible, not invincible. <laughs> I can't, in, yeah, invisible, yeah. And get all the weapons. So you get all the weapons and you're invisible. That has to be, he has to mean invincible, not mm -hmm. invisible. I can see it being invisible for just a little bit, but I mean, who knows? I mean, I know I never went that far in uh, in this game, so. Yeah. And then if you go through all the rigors and torture of playing and getting all the challenge points on Jedi, guess what you get? The An Ewok. The Wampas won't hurt you. <laughs> Great. The Wampas won't hurt you. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> the, the pointless. Wampas, they run around. They move real slow, but they're real strong. It'll take forever to kill you. Great. That's why you don't have to worry about them. Why would I? Oh, whatever. Um, that's, that's ridiculous. I feel so, sorry for whoever found that out. Yeah. Is that what we uh, get? It's like, <laughs> that's silly. That's crazy. Anyway, so that is an interesting game. They have a couple of speeder bike levels that were a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a big race. Uh, you have to. You actually, you have to kill. You have to uh, to knock the. You have to bump them into the wall and all this kind of stuff. The enemy speeder bike, so you can get to Luke Skywalker faster mm -hmm. on that speeder bike. And Jonathan, uh, the other other Jonathan that lived in our neighborhood, would always come over, and we turn on Shadows of the Empire. He'd go right to that level and turn it on. It's all mm -hmm. he played on it. Oh, let's play this. And he just turn it on and put it on like that cinematic camera where he shows him like backing up. He'd just back up and then boom, hit it real hard and just raise Oh, yeah, up. I remember that. <laughs> That's all he did. Yeah. He loved it. But um, but anyway, yeah, Shadows of the Empire overall, I mean, I think it's been rated exactly what I'm about to rate it. If it's a 6 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, when, it, when it came out, it was a phenomenal game. It's still a classic N64 game. I, I'll put it up there. Um, eh, it's right there on the border of classic, but well, I mean, it was the top-selling N64 game. That uh, it was the third top-selling N64 game for 1997. It sold more than a million copies. So, I mean, that's a that's yeah. a pretty impressive stat for back then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was a good. It, it was good, but like I said, the controls just are so slippery. I mean, it's just tough, tough to control. And it's like you said, yeah. you, you know, there's so many areas where you'll jump and you'll hit that wall like you're talking about and hang up and you're like up oh, i'm sliding off and i'm not yep. gonna make this jump and i'm gonna die and mm -hmm. you know you you get backed up a little bit in the game and so you don't respawn automatically right where you are but uh there's different weapons in the game the seeker missiles the pulse missiles you eventually get a jet pack to fly around in, which is a lot of fun you got to fight boba fett or boba fett uh, you have to, you're in the sewer level at some point, you're underwater yep. with a jet pack and you got to fight this big plant thing. And that was kind of difficult. Um, there's a lot of different environments that they did a really good job on changing up the gameplay throughout mm -hmm. and then um, to keep it fresh and then just put a lot of different, uh, basically like maps, you know, a lot of different scenarios in the game. Well, it felt like a Star Wars movie. You, yeah. know, you can go back and look at the original trilogy movies and how they break apart into different sections. The game followed that same format and broke apart into different sections. So you had the nostalgia of playing something that was like the movies, and you had something that added to the movies, not just a rehash of the movies. So that was really it was a really good thing for that, and I think that's what overall makes the game 
a good game is the fact that you get that extra story to something that you didn't already have because I mean from the from the three movies if you're not reading the books then you don't have what happens in between New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and you don't have what happens in between uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back and uh, Return of the Jedi but now you have this video game here that kind of fills that gap there and what I thought would have would have been cool is if they would have also done another video game for in between New Hope and uh, Empire Strikes Back. So, but you can go back and there's some books that fill in those gaps as well. But I think the video game did a really nice job of doing it and presenting it in a manner other than you running around as either Luke, Leia, or Han or something else. You know, you got got that extra. Well, you couldn't have ran around as Han because Han was in Kryptonite at the time, or not Kryptonite, uh, Carbonite. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to put trying to put Han in Kryptonite so that way Superman can't fly in and save the day. But you know, it 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 just gives you that nice little different twist. And you know, you are trying to save Leia at one time in the game. You're trying to get you know help out Luke in these different points and actually do parts of the game. But you're a different character, and I think that's what overall made it fun. Yeah, I think it was. I thought it was a lot of fun. I, you know. And when you're collecting for these systems, you kind of think of these games that you want to have that you've played before. Some of them that you just heard about and mm-hmm. wanted to play them. But Shadows of the Empire was certainly one that I knew right away. Like, if I get a 64, I'm going to get Shadows of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, did you go back and buy those games? I didn't go back and buy them yet. Um, I Actually, I'm going to go buy probably Monday before I head back down to my new house. To do more unpacking, so I'm probably going to pick those two up because I, I do want to play through Rogue Squadron again, and I do want to play through um, uh, Shadows of the Empire. I think it'd be fun to play through those. And two, I need something to take me away from the the crap fest that is the other game that I play that I'm not going to mention its name right now. <laughs> His name shall not be mentioned in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> An evil that must not be named. Uh-huh. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, so. That pretty much sums that up for Star Wars Shadow of the Empires. Definitely, if you are a collector, or you're looking for a, I think, you know, a game that you should have in your collection as an N64 collector, I think Shadows of the Empire is a must-have for every N64 collector. It's very, it's got a certain charm to it that just takes you right back to those days. Exactly. <clears throat> and it's, uh, I, I, I mean, enjoy it- playing it. I'll play through it once every so often. But it's be Star honest, Wars. I yeah. mean, it, it's Star Wars, and it's one of the good Star Wars games because there are plenty of bad ones out there. It's one of the ones that are actually can be called good. So why not have that in your collection if you're a collector? I mean, that's that that's a good one there. And to talk about another one, I think that's a good segue for us to jump into, Rogue Squadron. Yes, and Rogue Squadron... I, I almost, I told you, said, so, hey, let's delay this podcast. I haven't had time to play Star- Shadows of the Empire yet. I want to play it at least a little bit. And while we delayed it that eight, that evening that I was supposed to play it, I almost threw in Shadows of Rogue Squadron. I said, whatever, man. I'll watch a video or something. I'll just go off my memory. Because Rogue Squadron is phenomenal. This is one of my favorite games of all time after playing it. I've played through it so many times, even after, you know, just recently, you know, when I first got it. I played it through. I played it all the way through. Uh, this has a great mechanic. Again, it's similar to challenge points, but what it is is this is a this is a 3D shooter. So all mm-hmm. it is a space shooter, 3D. Uh, several different aircraft that the Rogue Squadron fly: the A wing, the Y wing, the X wing, uh, and there's a bunch of different codes and stuff we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. But you play through several different missions, and again, di- different scenarios, different um, worlds. You know, you I think there's eleven world. boards all together on this game. Yeah, there's. Is that including the bonuses? I don't think that's including the bonuses. Yeah, I think it's just the, just the levels for just the base <clears throat> game. If I'm and not they mistaken, are, they are some difficult ones. I mean, they really are. Um, oh, I'm sorry, sixteen, not eleven, sixteen. Okay. Uh, yeah, they, they, and they're, they're difficult. And you can finish them. And so, so what their mechanic is, is certain criteria has to be met in order to, one, finish the stage. But two, you can get a bronze medal, a silver medal, and a gold medal. Uh, and or a gold, a gold medal. So you can only get one of those medals. But 
that criteria has to be met mm-hmm. uh, to unlock other levels in the game and spacecrafts. Uh, so you can go back and unlock, you know, an A-wing, mm-hmm. and go back and try to get a gold medal with an A-wing uh, if you think that's easier to use in this level and this so type of stuff. So speaking about unlocking ships, I want to bring this up because this is a really cool thing about this. So Rogue Squadron was being developed right before Phantom Menace came out. So this was being developed right before the new Star Wars. It's been 15 years since the Star Wars. And so the game the game developer wanted to put a ship from Star Wars 1 into the game. So they got to put a Naboo fighter in there. But it's a locked game. It's a locked one. They are calling this one of the biggest secrets that Nintendo ever pulled off because it stayed a secret for over six months before somebody unlocked it and actually found out how to do it because it was actually a code that the developer said, "Okay, here's your code for that game and so for, for that for, for for that ship." There was no way for you to go unlock it. You couldn't. You couldn't go do something to unlock it. You had to have this code. And so they actually, Lucas, because they didn't want this to be out there to show off and kind of break something in the movie, they actually had a complex scrambling system was developed just to help hide the ship's code from people using cheat cartridges like the Game Shark or the Action Replay. So more than six months after the release of Rogue Squadron, they LucasArts finally unveiled the code to unlock the, Narbu, the, the Naboo Starfighter as a as a playable craft. But the code uh, that code has been named Nintendo 64's most well hidden code because of the length of time before its discoveries. So that, that, that's a direct quote from this article that I'm reading, but. I do remember that Naboo, Naboo Starfighter getting released. I remember seeing a commercial about it, and I remember them putting it all out, because I remember in one of uh, Hollywood's Nintendo Powers he got, it actually talked about that you know, six, seven months after the game was released, and that was just a big deal, because it's like, oh, the movie's out, and now you can play as a Naboo Starfighter in Rogue Squadron. And that was the... To me, that's kind of like the first ever DLC, but not really DLC because it's already there. You just had to have a code to get it, and there was no other way to lock it other than that code. So it was just that, that that's a really neat kind of add-in to make this game even just that, that to me, that much more exciting. Yes, they, have, they, had a, they love putting codes um, in their games, and I'm trying to think... Oh, and there's also too. There's one other thing too. There is a Easter egg in this game. There is a playable model of a 1969 Buick Electra 225 based on a car owner by the game, a car owned by the game sound designer, that was included in the game as an Easter egg. So you could actually play as a 1969 Buick Electra 225. Ironically, so that's just a random. If, thing if you t- so, let's just go through this. Oh, Carl, let's just we're getting ahead. So. Right, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, uh, we love it. So this this is a great game. So anyway, you unlock this stuff legitimately or with codes, um, and so you know, just the fun factor of this game is just is awesome. I mean, if you play it, you're going to get addicted to it. I'm going to tell you right now. It was so and, much fun. And so you go back and play the graph, and the graphics might take a little bit of getting used to for a lot of new gamers that don't play anything other than the PlayStation Four. Uh, and it can be a little rough. I mean, the little starch, the little stormtroopers running on the ground. It looks like little flashy white blocks, basically. Uh, and if you look at a, it's just amazing how somehow we can go back and try to remember. Like I don't remember the graphics being this bad, but you know, like if you look at the uh, probe droids, it literally looks mm-hmm. like a little black dot with another black or black uh, square with another black square under it if you're so far distance away. But when you get closer, of course, it starts look, looking better. It's funny that you say that about the graphics, too. I just want to bring this up, too. Rogue Squadron was one of the first games to take advantage of the Nintendo 64's expansion pack, and the game actually came with an expansion pack, or at least certain editions of the game. I don't know if all did, but that one took advantage of the expansion pack to actually boost the graphics so you can see the little black dots like that. So that yeah, This came out before the expansion pack. If they re-released it, they probably did with the expansion pack. But I think uh, Donkey Kong 64 had the expansion pack. But um, 
I remember this. You could use it with this one, and you had it, and it looked a mm-hmm. little, it looked a lot better. I mean, it's a little bit better, some more rounded. But uh, I mean, I, I want it. I need to go get one. I mean, they can't be that expensive. Uh, they're twenty bucks, I think. Still. Yeah. So I mean, uh, it's not bad, but. But uh, but anyway, so uh, great. I mean, just I, mean, I don't even know how to explain this game. You just you have missiles on your X first missions with the X wing. You're just flying through, taking out Tie fighters, and uh, you can missile the missiles that pick up bonuses in the game, where you can get homing missiles. You can get you know mm-hmm. cluster missiles. You can get advanced bombs for your Y wing. Just the different types of uh, objectives that this game will provide you to do and to, in its free roam. You can go, you can, you know, when you're in that stage, you can finish that stage any way you, you want to, as long as you're getting the missions done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's such a, such a good game. It just so the replayability is, is phenomenal. The controls are great. Um, so that's, that's, it's just a music's good. I mean, you can hear the cartridge sound of music versus a CD now since we've been playing these you know mm-hmm. other games now but uh back then it sounded awesome and it's still very very passable still very mm-hmm. good uh so anyway just this just kind of game this kind of give you an idea of the kind of game it is so the codes there's a code screen before you even start playing if you want to put this in there so how you can activate concert hall in the showroom so it's just music the code is maestro mm-hmm. uh you know unlock all the levels including the bonus one is dead dac <laughs> I mean, you know, gets you all the available power-ups in the game. It's tough guy. So, I mean, like, uh, let's see. Uh, you can change the face of Luke at the title screen. Mm-hmm. You must wait for the demo to play and return to the, descri- the title screen before the code takes effect. So, w- Wadzi, Chippy, Fly Dodge, Itch Held. I mean, it's just <laughs> weird. Psylocke. Different faces, uh, rubby booty, <laughs> rubby booby is what rubby bubby, something. Uh, so stuff like there's just so many of those to just change. There's a so I many. I'm not gonna read all of them. There's like ten of them that just change Luke Skywalker's face. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! So uh, you can type in chicken, or you can play as an ATST, the bonus Walker game. I remember chicken. I yep. remember that one. <laughs> and to fly the Millennium Falcon. I, I remember this one before without even having to look it up. To fly the Millennium Falcon, the code is Farm Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, tied up. So this code must work in conjunction with Farm Boy passcode. Doing this will allow you to unlock the tie interceptor by pressing up on the control stick while the Millennium Falcon is currently displayed. So what it would do, and you can see the Millennium Falcon, I believe, when you're scrolling through ships to try to pick one to... You can see it in the distance. Yeah, and so you have, and it would pop up once you put that code in there. It would stop on it, and if you pressed up, it could turn into a tie fighter or whatever. Um, So, uh, see, I give up grants you unlimited lives. The Kolishk C, or excuse me, K O E L S C H turns the V wing into a Buick, like you said. Yeah, it's so random. However, if you pause the game while you're playing as a Buick, it locks up. It freezes. Yep. <laughs> so here's what you get. If you, we have this beautiful Buick up here, and you got to walk away. We're going to make you pay for it. <laughs> Don't you dare pause the game. Uh, so anyway, it's just stuff like that. I think it's just a fun game. It's just kind of, again, it just focuses on fun factor. They're not trying to make uh, a statement with you know our deep, enriched graphics and this I mean, I don't know, environment. They're doing the best they can with that, but it's just fun factor. I always talk about that with Nintendo, SNES, N64, um, even the Wii U. I mean, with... You got fun factor with them. Yeah, I mean, agree, agree. I have to agree with you 100% on that. Nintendo Nintendo knew how to have the fun factor, and I still think that they still have a good hold on fun factor. I know they fell with GameCube a little bit, and then you had the Wii come out, and it, it had the fun factor in it. And then you had the Wii U, which was, you know, not as, to me, not as revolutionary as the Wii, but, you well, know, they, they were able to keep fun factor. I mean, Mario games, no matter which one it is, it still has that whole fun factor about it. And Rogue Squadron's another good example of a fun factor game. Yeah, just look at um, Splatoon. 
brand new IP with a Wii U, a shooter with paint, and you got to paint the floors and all this, and you can shoot the other little squids, what they call them. It's fun, man. It's a lot of fun. You get on there try to do one or two games, and it's just so addicting. And then while you're waiting for a game, there's a mini game on your iPad with a little squid jumping. Just something they threw together that's so much mm -hmm. fun. It's just fun to play. It's addicting. But anyway, so this is in the gold. It's not golden years, but it was still, you know, we all thought it would be because the mm -hmm. Super Nintendo was so popular. And then the N64 comes out, cool, where everybody's about it. You know, they still had third-party support. And uh, until they found out PlayStation was, was there and it was easier to develop for CDs and all, blah, blah, blah. But um, so we still had a lot of games coming out that was promised in 64. So we have a lot of classics on that. Um, so several different maps back on Rogue Squadron. I mean, I won't even get into all of these. Uh, I, if you have an N64, you have to own this game. You are missing out on a huge piece of uh, just the, the N64s. You know, you're not getting the full fun of it in 64 if you don't have Rogue Squadron. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's like if you don't have Mario 64, you don't have a 64. Rogue yeah. Squadron, I think, is right up there with it because Mario 64 is your person. You're playing a person. Uh, and, and Rogue Squadron is you're getting to fly ships. And it's, the, to, it's, it's probably the best flight simulator game, Star Wars-based that was out. I mean, it just, it, it's a fun game. Well, yeah, nobody's seen anything like it. I mean, that was one good thing about, you know, this is kind of a weird thing. When you had CDs, you know, we came from, um, the only CD thing that we had before PlayStation was the Sega CD. So there's, you know, we had, well, we had a 3DO, but um, before all that, you had load times, mm -hmm. it's reading the CD, you know, and I wasn't a tech guy, you know, but I I, I knew that carts are faster. You, know, you mm -hmm. can read data from a cart faster than a CD. So I'm thinking, you know, controls will be better. Controls will be more fluid on a cartridge versus a CD. And that's just me thinking that, you know, growing up. And so when you have a, a fighter, fast twitch game like this, um, I thought certainly it's going to run better on a on a cart than on a CD. CD is going to, you know, it's not going to register right away. How can that be possible? Uh, Cause it has to read all the data after I push it to do something. You know, I don't know what I was thinking, but you know, nobody knew, nobody knew as a, just an average consumer on video games is carts was, it's been on carts for over a decade. So of course we're going to think carts are better. So uh, anyway, I just felt like that helped it run smoother or whatever the case probably didn't. But as a kid, I certainly thought it did. And, this was a little bit later. When did this come out? This came out a little bit later. Uh, was it 98, 99? Let me see. I'm back up here. Uh, December 98. Hey, your mic, mic got super loud for some reason. Uh, okay. I don't know if it's recording that loud, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like really loud. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, so far, it looks like nothing's jumping to the red for me. All right, it may have just started picking up. But anyway, that's okay. all good. So, so when did it come out, 98? De December 98. So you're looking at December 98, and it, it goes through, of course, 99 and all that. It was, uh, it had general great great reviews. Um, the games, the game sales exceeded expectations. By August of 99, more than a million copies had sold worldwide. Spawned two sequels developed and released for GameCube, Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2, Rogue Leader, Star Wars Rogue Squadron 3 Rebel Strike, as well as Star Wars Episode 1 Battle for Naboo, a spiritual successor release for Windows and N64. So basically, Battle of no Naboo was basically kind of its next step on the 64 because it was at the time of, uh, um, which of, uh, God, Phantom Menace. Yeah. So. so I'm going to go back and play that one. I have not ever played that one, and if it is a true spiritual successor, it should be a lot of fun. It should be, and I hope I hope it is. And I think I think I might have to do that as well because I think I actually saw it at the place that I was going to pick up the yeah. other two games. So. I can I see the card in my head right now. I know exactly what it looks like. Mm -hmm. I always thought it was like a pod racer. Didn't you had the pod racer? One. I had the pod racer. Boy, that's a terrible game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <That's just laughs> don't don't. If you're looking at Star Wars uh, games and you see pod racer, walk away from it quickly. It's a terrible game. It was 
poorly designed um, pod racing in itself was just terrible. I mean, yeah, it's playable. You can play it, and you can have, like, this much fun. But you're not going to have a lot of fun with it, and you're not going to want to go back and play it again. I certainly do not want to go back and play it again because I remember how much of a challenge it was. I mean, it was fun to race because I could race with Hollywood. I could race with a couple people. But, dude, those just, you know, depending on what pod you got, it was depending on how well you could do, and it was just, it it was a tough game. You know, it, there were shortcuts on the track, just like any other racing game. I mean, it was flat out. It was a racing game. It was pod racing, and that was it. You know, there was no extra to it other than that. I mean, yeah, I think you could get, uh, like, power-ups for your pods and stuff. But, yeah, stay far away from Pod Racer. Yep. I'm looking at I'm looking at pictures of it now. I remember that game. It was just... It was just... It was a pain. So... But anyway, yeah, Rogue Squadron. I'll give that one. I'll give that one at least a nine out of ten. Man, it's not a perfect game. Uh, By far, it's not. Fun, uh, fun factor though, man. That's just ten out of ten. Dude, I, I was also gonna say, fun factor is what drives this game because exactly. you can go back and play it. And going back to play it, you get to unlock stuff, and you actually get to unlock stuff, and you know that you're going to because you have that metal system of bronze, silver, and gold. You know if you get your bronze, silver, and golds on all the stages, you're going to get something. You know, you just know it because that's how games were. And then, too, we didn't speak about the levels, but you've got levels that you can unlock. Beggar's Canyon, the Death Star Trench Run, Death Star Trench Run and the Battle of Hoth levels. So if you basically obtain the, all the bronze, silver, and gold medals on each level, you know, through all 16 levels, you get these three extra levels. And I remember playing the Death Star Trench Run level yep. so much. That was so fun. It wasn't, the, um, it wasn't the exact same trench run, but it was a very close to what the trench run was from A New Hope. You know, so you had that nostalgia, that fun going through a trench trying to kill the Death Star. You know, that was a lot of fun. Um, I don't remember the Beggar's Canyon one that much. Yeah, I remember that um, one well. But, you got this uh, little weird ship. It's like mm-hmm. a the three the, the little wings that come down to the top, and he just has to set up one little right, blaster, yeah. and you got a race uh, wedge or yeah, that's right. It was the wedge wedge right or, or race. And then of course you get to do you know you get to do the uh, Battle of Hoth level where you get to you know fight against the Imperial troops and do, you know put down ATATs and all that stuff. So you you can unlock that and have that. So yeah. So um. Anyway. Yeah, that was that's uh pretty much the N sixty four games that we uh for the Star Wars part, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed playing. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Enjoy playing that Rogue Squadron. I'm going to keep it in the in there and play that just for fun, even though we're not doing mm-hmm. a review on it. I'll probably put Shadows of the Empire back in the box, back on the shelf, but uh, still holds a special place with me just for the memories there and nostalgia. It's a factor. lot of good memories for us. I mean, it, it was, you know, like you said, it, it, it actually brought a few people into our gaming circle that, you know, weren't there originally. So, so yeah, I'm going to... Uh, Let's go ahead and do the uh, the Contra next. All right, we'll roll Let's on Contra. Contra. <laughs> uh, yeah, Contra is all another classic for N sixty four or N sixty four. That'd be awesome. They need a, well, that wouldn't be awesome. That'd probably be terrible, actually. It would Contra. be so. Ter- it'd be so terrible. Um, but classic shooters, uh, sh- shmup. So anyway, so yeah, we'll do uh, we'll do Contra on uh, NES next. And uh, so that'll that'll bring a lot of new listeners probably if we put that on Facebook because everybody has a good memory of Contra, and I remember that game used to be like ten bucks, and I pass it up now that you can't even get that game for less than fifty dollars now on yeah. eBay. Well, I mean, well, when we talk about it, there's a one specific classic that if anybody's a gamer, they're gonna know what Contra was classic for and what it brought about. Yeah. And that's, that's what I really want to say for the podcast and talk about. It. I'm just going to leave it at that. All right. Well, that will wrap it up. And I appreciate you guys hanging in there and uh, listening. Let us know on Twitter what you guys want to uh, hear next. And uh, we will bring it to you. Twitter, email, Facebook, whatever you guys want to do. And we will be on the lookout for that. And we will talk to you guys later.